On today's episode of Infinity Sports, we're actually going to be talking about Carson Wentz and why he's not going to get number 11. We're going to be talking about the NBA All-Star picks and whether or not fans should be picking them. We're going to be talking about a hot take about Liverpool, if there's such a thing as a hot take about soccer, and I can explain. <laughs> and we're going to start off the show, obviously you're tuning in, because we're going to be talking about LeBron James, and Nick has a take on that, coming right up after this little eight-second intro. Thank you for joining Infinity Sports. I'm Wayne G. I'm joined by Sully. What's up? Hey, how we doing, bro? And Nick P. What's going on? What's up? What's up? Not much. Obviously, if people are tuning in right now, they are tuning in because they see the thumbnail and they want to hear your take on LeBron James that actually kicked Carson Wentz off the lead of the show. <laughs> so let's see. what is your take on LeBron James? Because I can't wait for people to hear this and then for me and Sully to kind of tackle you. Yeah, so there's um, so a, lot, a lot of hype out there about LeBron being MVP this year, so on and so forth. Um, this would be, if he does win MVP, this would be his fifth MVP, which would put him behind, actually would put him neck and neck with Michael Jordan, right? Because Jordan won five. Should have won six, but he won five. Um, my, whole thing with, my whole thing with LeBron is this was a test, right? AD going down over these last five games was a big test to his MVP candidacy. And now it's like they just lost to the Wizards. They've lost four or five. They're dropping in the standings. You know, LeBron's supposed to be the guy, but it looks like to me with their best player out, he's not the guy. All right. Sully? Um, I, I, I don't know because I, I actually kind of agree with Nick to a point here. Um, but the – point is yeah LeBron's not the guy he's 37 years old like 36 but that's 36. everyone's giving him credit right. for that right. everyone's 30. giving him credit well they should what are you I'm 34 <laughs> I get I ate to get out of bed bro like yeah, yeah. um right. <laughs> like there's no way now granted I understand LeBron's a different beast he's he's a whole nother athlete but nonetheless he's 36 I don't think like all right, so my viewpoint on LeBron in this age in his career is he's not the man, and and I don't think he's trying to be the man. Um, I don't think it's deferring in any way, but I mean at this point he doesn't need to be the man. And let's be real, that Laker team, like outside of AD and LeBron, it's got some decent talent in Montrez Harrell and things like that, but it's not a great team. It's not like it's loaded with with all star talent up and down the up and down the court. At the same time, obviously, we expect the utmost from LeBron. We expect the peak. We expect everything because he's put that expectation on himself. So I, I do think that he should be performing better at this time. But again, I, I mean, if you're talking just in, in respect to MVP this year, yes, I don't, I don't think he should win MVP this year. Um, but outside, if you're talking like his greatness overall, um, I mean, I don't think this has anything to do with his overall greatness. And my take on it was this, is that over this five-game stretch, LeBron James has increased his minutes per game played. He's increased his points per game scored. He's increased his rebounds per game. He's increased his assists per game. So basically, since AD's been gone, he has completely stepped up. And like to Sully's point, this they don't have AD, so he doesn't have those other superstars to help him win games. Are we really going to hold the record against him? Especially when I think it's funny that you mentioned AD is the best player. The Lakers are 67 and 26 over the last two years. It's a 72% winning percentage. When Anthony Davis is out, they have a 63% winning percentage. When LeBron James is out, they have a 50% winning percentage. So 
why, if Anthony Davis is the best player on the team, does it hurt the team less when he's out than when LeBron's out? Well, you're looking at a smaller sample size, too, because AD's missed more games than LeBron's missed considerably, um, which is just going to be the situation. And you rattled off LeBron's stats since AD's been out, but let's look at the let's look at the bigger picture here. LeBron had seven turnovers against the Wizards last night. Seven turnovers. They lost that game by three points. LeBron is the all-time leader in turnovers, by the way. Um, he has what, 500 more than Kobe Bryant and more than double Michael Jordan. So, I, I mean, like, to me, as and he's the primary ball hander, handler, and I don't think that you can look at this Lakers roster. That's the other thing, too, right? Like, <laughs> Harrell is like, what, what, he went six-man last year? He was six-man of the year last year. Harrell's a beast, right? So he's not Schroeder, even a starter. Schroeder came off Sh- – six-man of the year, though, and he's probably going to be a six-man again. He's probably going to be six-man again, though. And, and the, the reality of the situation is Schroeder comes off – I mean, he's coming off a career year as far as three-point shooting. Um, you, you got a guy like Kuzma who's full of potential. He's actually turned into a double-double machine. I don't know where he's brought that into his game, but all of a sudden he gets double-doubles all the time. And then you have you know young talent, too. Horton Tucker's a decent young player, right? Like, I mean, the Lakers aren't – void of talent here. Kobe Bryant was winning championships with rosters like, like this minus AD. And that's my whole point with LeBron. Like, you're right. Without another superstar, he's not the same. That's the entire point. That's why he's not a GOAT. It's why he's not an MVP. It's it's why I always harp on these things. Because without another superstar, he's just a guy that puts up good numbers. I, I mean, I'd argue Pau Gasol – I mean, we've had this argument before, but I mean, I'll die on this Pau Gasol hill. Yeah. Uh, Go ahead. You. you can. You can. Pau Gasol never averaged 20. Pau Gasol never averaged 20 in the he playoffs. He did, just not in the playoffs. He averaged, <laughs> he averaged 18 and 11 in the playoffs. Like, like let's be real. So, I, I'm not just saying. It's not 27 like AD. It's not 25 or 26 like like. Kyrie he also did well, if we're going to, I mean, I'm just saying, if we're going through and comparing <laughs> rosters, I, I don't think, I think Kobe Bryant didn't win a talent, didn't win a, a championship void of talent on his roster. Uh, oh, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say void of talent. I would just say he I, won it with less talent. I get less talent than yes, because I think AD is, is an all time great. So I, I will, I will say that. Um, but again, I don't think this takes anything away from LeBron's greatness. Uh, I think every superstar needed another superstar. Um, you know, Michael needed Scotty. You know, Shaq needed Kobe. Kobe needed Shaq, however you want to put it. Uh, you know, I think everybody kind of needs another player. We, we've had this argument at nauseum. It's pretty tough to win with just one person on the floor. And and like Dwayne said, I mean, he's stepped up in every way possible. What more could you want from the guy? I mean, he can't score every basket. He can't. Well, that, but that's not the thing, too. He could turn the ball over less. Because I, he, I agree. His, his turnovers is something that, that a lot right. of people don't speak on. Um, and and to be fair, it needs to be spoken. But, uh, I mean, just to play devil's advocate to your point, he handles the ball infinitely more than Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant did. So uh, I don't know about that. I don't know if he handles the ball more than Kobe did. Uh, maybe yeah. more than Jordan at times, but I don't know that he handled it more than Kobe. I mean, especially over, like, I mean, maybe given the volume, like like playing a longer period of time type thing, you could say that. But, like, at the end of the day, like, he's got a sloppier handle than than Kobe or Michael Jordan did, right? He's a bigger dude, so he uses his power, but he doesn't have a better handle. I mean, he's, he's twice the passer any of them could have ever been on their best day, though. Yeah, that's no. what you talked about handle, and I mean, I'm not, we're not talking about handle. We're talking about turnovers, and you said that Kobe doesn't handle the ball or, or that LeBron doesn't handle the ball more than Kobe. 
Kobe was not the facilitator for the team. I mean, I'd be curious to see how many or what percentage of Lakers baskets are off of LeBron James passes and what percentage are off of Kobe's passes. Well, that's because LeBron shied away from big shots. I mean, that I mean, he always shies away from big shots. Big shots in the second quarter or the first quarter? Yeah, he's the point guard. He had 11. He averaged 11 assists last year. The guy's a point guard. Right. No, I get it. I mean, I I absolutely get it. It's easy to defer when you don't it's easy to defer to your teammates when you don't have that killer instinct. Kobe and Jordan had it, so they didn't. They just went out and won games. So I mean the reality of the situation is this too. Like the whole thing with LeBron, he's gonna probably win MVP by default, right? Because he's LeBron. That's what the race has turned into. And who's second right now as far as like Vegas bets? I think it's Joel Embiid. Like Embiid's not gonna win the MVP. That's a joke. So it's just gonna by default be LeBron James unless he gets hurt or something catastrophic happens and AD misses more time and the Lakers just continue their plummet. I mean, it's going to take a lot for LeBron not to win because in my opinion, the MVP, especially over the last like 10, 15 years, has just been a popularity contest anyway. I guess I'm curious to know kind of where the argument started is you're saying, again, this five-game stretch knocked LeBron out of the MVP race. Are you saying he wasn't in it to begin with, or he was, and this knocked him out? And to my point is, how did I'm it knock him out? I'm saying he doesn't deserve it. I'm saying he doesn't deserve it, and it's and it's and this proof is in the pudding in this five-game stretch, right? He'll win it because it's a popularity contest unless something catastrophic happens, but he doesn't deserve it. I mean, his team can't win. His team cannot win without AD. They weren't going to win the him. finals without – they get, but they weren't going to win the finals without AD. And AD literally had better stats in every single category except for assists in, in the NBA finals last year. Every single category. Three-point percentage, field goal percentage, free throw percentage, rebounds. I mean, you name it, AD was the better player in the finals. Yeah, was he not? A, he's a phenomenal player. But what I'm saying is – Best player on the team. I don't know. I mean, I think I – mean, I, I don't have any argument. One's 28 and one's 36. Like, So how could you be MVP if you're not the best player on your team? That's my thing. But LeBron's going to win it somehow. Well, if you're I the mean, best that season. I don't know. We'll see. It's not even midseason yet. Like, I just see it coming. I know how the league works. Like, I mean, James Harden's balling right now with, with no KD, and that Nets team is still rolling. They, yeah, but people don't like him. No, I understand, but I mean, like, I mean, crazier things could happen. Like, if if this Nets team continues to roll the way they're doing, and and Harden is playing the way he does, and things like that, I mean, God only knows. You know what I mean? Like, you can't ignore that. I I get people don't like him, but I mean, I think that's got potential to to be a shitstorm over there in, in New Jersey or Brooklyn. And the other thing that you had said that kind of took me by surprise or that I disagreed with, and that's why I wanted to have it as my second point, since we're leading the show with basketball today, folks, kind of a surprise, <laughs> is that you had mentioned across the te- across the uh, nation we have the arch rival of the Lakers, which is the Boston Celtics. And you said that you thought Brad Stevens should be fired for how they're playing? It's not that I thought Brad Stevens should be. It's not that I think Brad Stevens should be fired, but I think that he's the weakest link. On on the Celtics, what's that? We are the weakest thing. Goodbye. That's all. It just (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. Good good one. Good one for those for those who weren't around in the early two thousands. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So um, so yeah, I I, it's not that. First of all, I know it's like it's like the LeBron thing, right? Like he's probably going to win MVP by default because he's LeBron, and there's not a realistic candidate going up against him right now. Um. I think the same thing with Brad Stevens. He's going to get a longer leash because it's a COVID year. They're not playing in front of fans or anything. But I just watched this game recently where they blew that lead to New Orleans. 
24 point lead. They blew to, to New Orleans. And part of the blame is definitely on Brad Stevens. I think the majority of the blame should be on Brad Stevens, but I also hold Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum completely culpable for for the situation the Celtics are in because they should be coaching Brad Stevens. They should be telling there's no reason Tatum should be taken out with four minutes remaining in the fourth quarter and what now has become a tight game. You take him out with four minutes, you bring him back on two or you take him out of the six minute mark, you bring him back on in the four minute mark. I mean, that that, like those decisions don't make any sense. Jalen Brown, he's got him sitting on the sidelines. Meanwhile, New Orleans is chipping away from a 21 point lead all the way down to a six point lead. It's like, at what point does Jalen Brown not step in and say, coach, I'm going back out there. You're going to have to stop me from going back out there. And, and, Stevens is making these decisions and the players are just abiding by it. It's ridiculous. It's why the Celtics, despite the talent that they have, are a 500 basketball team right now. See, I think that Brad Stevens is the strongest link on the team. I think that his coaching is what has them with 15 wins instead of five wins. I think that they are an extremely talented That's team. Crazy. But That's you crazy. talk about Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum should be coached. Those guys joined the team. They were teenagers, and Brad Stevens made them what they are right now. And so now yeah. the, the students become the teacher? I don't think that you could say that Brad Stevens has made anybody like they are. I mean, he Gordon Haywood was like his 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 – child for god's sake in boston and he couldn't even stand playing for him and went over to charlotte so let, let's call it what it is i mean he played for stevens in college i mean come on and, and, and kyrie irving again like can you imagine kyrie on this boston but he probably couldn't stand it he probably couldn't stand playing for a guy like brad stevens and the reality of the situation is if you watch celtics games you are watching 1980s basketball all over again this team will stop on a dime on a fast break to set up a half court offense it's it's disgusting to watch it's, it's literally an embarrassment to Celtics fans. I feel bad. I'm not a Celtics fan. I have friends who are close to me that are diehard Celtics fans. I feel bad for them that they have to watch that brand of basketball because they have so much talent, and the coach is just using it. I mean, not even using it. His subs are bad. His system is bad. He's got one of the most talented rosters all around in the league. What's he doing? I mean, I don't know. I, don't, I think we talked about Jason Tatum and, and Jalen Brown and which one we would – would keep and, and trade and things like that in an earlier episode. And I mentioned, I don't think either player really has a killer instinct. And, and I think that's the case. And I think that's why they don't step out and say, Hey, look, I'm going to come in and, and coach. You need to do this is I don't think either player is that player. I think they're a far more passive kind of player. And, and that's not to say that they can't like light up the scoreboard, obviously, or have great talent, but I don't think either one is a, is a step on your throat kind of guy. Uh, and I think that's why and, and I, I, you're not getting that from them. And Brad Stevens is the kind of guy that I don't think forces that out of anybody. You know what I mean? I don't think Brad Stevens is a tremendous, you know, pump them up yeah. motivator kind of guy. So I, I don't know. I think it's just kind of the perfect blend of passiveness between everyone that, that you're not seeing anybody reach their full potential because nobody is pulling it out of them. Nobody is literally – pulling you have to put yourself in stressful and and you know pressured situations to get the best out of some out of yourself sometimes and i don't think brad stevens is asking that out of either one of these guys and neither of these guys is volunteering for that right and i think that that's what the celtics are at is they need somebody to do that the, the appeasement process in boston is not was not working out right now and they need a in my opinion one of those guys who was a former player to come on and tell these young guys like look like this is your time 
Now you step it up. This is where you're, you define your career and your path for the rest of that career. And Brad Stevens, to your point, is not that guy. Brad Stevens is a great NCAA coach, and it's exactly where he belongs. See, I, think See, I think he belongs in the NBA. I wouldn't go that far. Yeah, I think he's the second best coach in the NBA, maybe third if you want to put Spolster at two. Obviously, Popovich is number one. Um, but I have Brad Stevens top three in the NBA as far as a head coach goes. I would gladly have him coach any team in the league other than maybe the Spurs or the, the – Yeah, team. you would as a Lakers fan considering he coaches your rivals and they're in a <laughs> complete disarray. I don't blame I would, you. I would, I would I don't blame Frank you for Brad Stevens. I would trade Frank Vogel for Brad Stevens in a heartbeat. I'd even throw Stupid, in the first I think, Frank, I think Brad Stevens fits with the Lakers because you've got guys right. like AD and LeBron right. – who will who will tell him how to coach and say, right. hey, look, you give us some X's and O's and use your brain and your knowledge, and then we'll on floor general and things like that. Exactly. I don't think I don't. Maybe that doesn't mesh with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum because, like you said, they came in as young men, you know, with this guy, and and so they've never experienced somebody who's a hard nosed kind of motivator coach that that literally brings it out of you. So right. I, maybe, you know, I don't know. I agree. I think Brad Stevens is a tremendous coach. I think he has every every ability to win a championship in this league. Um, just maybe with these two stars in this system, in this Boston scheme, it just isn't fitting right now. I, I mean, it's tough to argue. This team, I don't think either one of any of us think they should be a 500 team. They, they should be a, a, a more a, – they should be winning more ball games, plain and simple. Absolutely. Well, and I think that hurt too. That having Marcus Smart miss half the games and having Kemba miss half the games doesn't help them out either. Well, no, well, I don't think that has, it's not justification for blowing a twenty-four point lead to a terrible New Orleans Pelicans but, team. But I feel like Phil Jackson's blown twenty-four point leads. I mean, it happens to but everybody. not to the not to the Pelicans. And part of it was coaching, though. The subs, like I said, Jalen Brown on the bench while the lead dwindles away. You had Tristan Thompson completely shut down Zion Williamson in the first half of that game. Williamson was like six points. Six points in the first half. I think he ended with 32 because all of a sudden Stevens decided, well, we're going to bring in Robert Williams, the rookie, to stick on Zion Williamson. And look at what happened. Zion just tooled on him all game. It's like, why move away from what was working? You're overthinking. Maybe you can be a successful coach. It won't be in Boston. Well, the NBA All-Star Game takes place on March 7th in Atlanta, and the starting Rosters have been announced. The East is going to be Bradley Beal, Giannis, KD, Embiid, and Kyrie, which makes no sense to me. And then the West is going to be Curry, Kawhi, LeBron, Jokic, and Luka. I'm curious to get your guys. Again, Kyrie just made no sense to me. Zach Levine's having an amazing year. I think that he should be an all-star. I think Trey Young, the game's in Atlanta. Trey Young's not at the starting point guard in this game. Mm -hmm. So it just doesn't make sense to me to have Kyrie Irving there. But I'm curious what you guys think of those two rosters. Um, I don't know. All these all-star games now I'm not a huge fan of because it's just like fan voting, like, and, and it just gets blasted and, and it's not actually like who really deserves to go anymore. It, it like, like Nick mentioned, the MVP is a popularity contest and I understand the all-star game is a fan thing and it should be a popularity contest to an extent, but like, I don't know, like I can't, I'm not a fan of it anymore. I, I like, like the, fan. the three point contest more. I like the fan voting. I hate that. You know, I also like Kyrie Irving as a, first of all, to your point, uh, Wayne, I like Kyrie Irving much better as an all-star game starter than Trey young or who else did you say? Zach Levine. Zach. Oh God. Yeah. I'll take Kyrie Irving over those two guys all day. 
Um, the Kawhi Leonard thing, that bothers me because I feel like a guy like John Morant deserves to start an all-star game this year. I mean, he's got that Memphis team literally in the playoff hunt, and it's only him. Triple J's been out all year. Why is John Morant? Because he plays in Memphis, so he doesn't get the popularity, the exposure that yeah. some of these other guys would get. You know, that's that's the thing. That's the one knock, I would say, for, like, the fans voting and the all-star. I, but other than that, I, I like the fan voting aspect. I like the all-star lineups the way that they are. It's obviously indicative of who the fans want to see. And quite frankly, that's what all-star weekend's all about. So, Yeah, I like the way the NFL does it done now and the way the NBA did. Why not do a draft again? Like, like vote everyone not necessarily starters and then you do a draft like that'd be sick i'd i'd, I'd much be i'd be more interested in that yeah i think that'd be kind of cool i think that one of the things that you run into with the fan voting in that situation too especially since the fans are voting for all 15 players or whatever it is per side is you right. get a guy like taco fall gets elected to the all-star game because he's a fan favorite but to your point sully i like that as that's who the fans want to see i don't care i mean yeah. it Right. People might say, "What at what point do you draw a line?" Because you look at a couple years ago, Major League Baseball, the Kansas City Royals fans went bananas and elected Kansas City Royals starters for every position or whatever it was. And the Major League Baseball stepped in and said, "No, we're not going to do that." So I was like, "Why not?" I mean, if their fans are that gung ho, especially Kansas City, I mean, get, throw them a bone. It's Kansas City. <laughs> <laughs> well, baseball, baseball's got their own issues. We've talked about that on. Uh, yeah, pretty sure. Yeah. I can't remember who. I think Mike Schmidt got voted to an All Star game after he'd retired. Um, somebody did in baseball. I can't remember exactly who it was. Um, so, uh, but I mean, that's the issue with fan voting is things like that happen. But again, you know, maybe that's, if that's what the fans want, then give it to them. I don't know. I, like I said, I like the, um, the side show stuff now more. So can I give you guys a trivia question? Oh, shoot. Sure. There's only, there's only one player in NBA history so far that has started an all-star game without starting for his, for his team. Who is that player? Started an all-star game without starting for his team, so it's got to be a multiple six-time, uh, whatever, six-man-of-the-year type player. So I'm guessing it's either going to be Lou Williams or Jamal Crawford. Um, you have to go know. one. You each have to throw me a guess. What is it? I'm taking Crawford. Who do you got? Who do you got, Sully? I'll go Lou Williams then. Kobe Bryant. Oh. Second year in the second year in the league. Kobe Bryant didn't start for the Lakers, started the oh, all-star yeah. game. Cool. <laughs> oh, there's a mic drop for you. That. Yeah, you both should have known that. I mean, Nick well, I should have known you were going to jam a Kobe Bryant question, I figured. So. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You should have known me going with yeah. the Kobe Bryant fact. Uh, <laughs> so let me ask you this, because the players don't want to play in this game. They've come out and they've said, listen, you know, this is all about money. It's a money grab. You know, you guys are putting money over health of the players. Like, we were told going into the season there wasn't going to be an all-star game. And we just feel like you're putting money ahead of the players. And I mean, LeBron said he's going to play either way. He's like, but I'm not going to be there in spirit or something. I'm like, well, just don't go. I mean, nobody's forcing you to go. That's a big thing. If you don't want to play, then don't go. They'll just like, I, I don't know. I'm assuming it's like the pro bowl and the next guy up will come. And then eventually you'll get some guys who will play. And I mean, at that point, maybe the NBA will give up, but I mean, the, I think the players need to realize they hold all the power. If they don't want to play, don't, don't play like shit. Don't show up. What do you think, Nick? Uh, I think he I froze know. right there. Oh, was so Nick's frozen? So Yeah, see. I'm going to guess. He hadn't moved in a long time. He hadn't blinked in a long time. <laughs> so I'm going to guess that's not it. But, I, I mean, in this, like you said, like if they don't want to play, then they don't, they shouldn't go. And, oh, he's back. <laughs> back. I'm back. I didn't like my LeBron take. No. <laughs> 
Yeah, so we were just saying don't play. If you don't want to play, don't play. Yeah, it's like if the players don't want to play, then don't play. Yeah, ask, ask Ian Desmond, right? Yeah, I'm all about not playing if you don't want to play. If you don't want to play, don't. If you don't want to play, yeah. If you don't want to play, don't play. Um, but this is again, it's about the fans. So you want to complain about money, but guess what drives the revenue, folks? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm just curious what how the fans would feel if the players did. That's the thing. I think the players are in a tough spot because I agree with the players that ownership put this together as a straight money grab didn't even consider the players at all especially if they told them before the season hey guys we're not going to have an all-star game and now that we are i under, i'm kind of on the player side there but i also feel like you can vilify these players because if they don't show up then the owners are kind of like hey look lebron didn't show up you know whatever ad didn't show up i mean again it's it, like nick said it's it's you it's a give and take here you yes there it's a money grab for the owners but you got to understand also as a player how much money they're losing out, you know, yeah. by, by not having fans and things like that. So if this is a way to supplement that loss, which then in turn puts money back into the cap and things like that, like you got to think like that, you know, like they can't just think of, oh, they're only doing this to put money in their own pockets. Well, yeah, it's partly that, but, you know, they pay your salary. You know what I mean? Like, you know, put money in their pockets is money in your pockets. Like, like, let's be real here. Like, I understand, like, it's, but at the same time, you, at a certain point, you do got to realize that it is a business. Even they have to try to make money and losing out on fans the entire season that this, this is a, a revenue stream that I don't think they can avoid to miss on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, I mean, we, we align on this totally a hundred percent. I mean, it's like the players in one hand, I mean, the NBA players are such divas, right. And this is coming from guys who love soccer. I mean, the <laughs> NBA players are absolute divas with, with this whole, like, you know, wanting their cake and eating it too. It's like, Oh, well, you know, it's all about money for the league and blah, blah, blah. Well, it's really not it's about money for you guys too. This is exposure for you. This is marketing for you. I mean, it's as much for you as it is the league. Yeah, I feel like LeBron James could come out and say, you know, I could play in zero All Star games in my career and I'd still have a five hundred million dollar Nike deal. Well, yeah, well, LeBron. He dunk. He, yeah, I mean, but he won't, he won't do, do a dunk, dunk contest, contest either. Yeah. Coward. He's a coward. Won't do the dunk contest. Afraid <laughs> to, to lose. He's a coward. That one I actually agree with. That take I actually agree with. I do think he's afraid to lose the dunk contest at this point. And it like because like like that's what, it's like fighting a girl. Nothing good comes <laughs> like right. nothing good comes right. out of it. Like you, you right. either win the dunk contest and everybody says, "Well, he was supposed to win," blah blah blah, or you lose and you get made fun of because you lost to a girl. So that no good can come of him doing it. But I still think he is kind of a coward for not doing it. Like. I think LeBron James' entire career is everything is going to come back and bite him no matter what he chooses. So, I mean, at that point. I mean if he had done true. the dunk contest, you know, his second, third year and, and, like, done it for a while, like, nobody would say anything. Right. But, like, you know, he never – like, come on, man. Like, do it. Like, <laughs> even Jordan did it. Like, yeah. do it. Like, it's too late. It's too late. Kobe yeah, and Jordan now it's won too one. late, I think. Kobe, now and, it's- Kobe and Jordan won it. That's what I mean. And now it's now it's too late. Now it's the point where, like I said, there's there's like no upside to it. So I don't know. Yeah. Now it is time for the football segment of the show. Uh, uh, some of the Wait, we- American football, right? American football for right now. Uh, <laughs> that happened about a week ago. We didn't ever really touch on it in the show because we were doing something a little bit different with the you know talking about certain things. But Carson Wentz gets traded. And I was stunned. I know you were too, Sully. A third and a second. Like we thought he was going to get two firsts for this guy, right? 
I mean, just because of the Stafford market, I thought he would demand at least a first. Now, the second is a conditional that becomes a first according to, I think, playing time. Um, and, and it may be conditioned on if they make the playoffs, which I think we all think the Colts are going to make the playoffs. They're a pretty well-sound built football team. Um, as long as Carson Wentz doesn't implode, I think they should make the playoffs. Um, so uh, it, it's probably going to turn out to be a first, but but regardless, I, I think it was pretty cheap, and the Colts kind of got a steal here. Uh, I understand Carson Wentz is on on the downswing, and his stock has kind of never been lower. But at the same time, I mean, the guy was a, a, a MVP candidate before he got injured and has the ability to play great football. Uh, I think in this Colts scenario, it's kind of the perfect situation. He's got a line that can protect him. And if they can get some weapons that he can throw to, I, I think he has a, a chance to resurrect his career. Yeah, I think uh, I think you guys both have a low bar on quarterbacks. That's why you think Tom Brady's the greatest. So I'm, I'm not shocked that you guys – I'm not shocked that that's why um, that you both were surprised that Carson Wentz fetched such a low haul. But um, Carson Wentz is not Matthew Stafford. A, the Rams in my mind right now are the Super Bowl favorite because they have Matt Stafford and that defense. And I would say that um, Carson Wentz is nowhere near uh, Matt Matt Stafford as far as career-wise. Maybe potential, but what does that mean, right? Um, so I think, I, I think the Colts probably paid – it's a terrible deal for Philadelphia, right, because they invested a lot to get Wentz. <laughs> They, they invested a, a ton to get one, so it's a terrible deal. I feel awful. For, I don't really feel bad for Philadelphia, but I can see why they'd be upset. Um, if Wentz can't succeed on this indie team, I don't think he's going to succeed anywhere. That's my take. I agree. Yeah, that's a fair take. I mean, yeah. But I think he will succeed because, to Sully's point, you're going to a team that has arguably the best offensive line in football. You've got yeah. Naheem Hines and you've got Jonathan Taylor at running back. You've got a good Paris defense. Kim. Yeah, Top great defense. defense last year. Yeah, yeah. great defense. He's got everything in place. Plus, he got Frank Reich, right? So, and I think yeah. people look at Carson Wentz and they see the season he had last year, and I get it. But you have to remember that before last year, he was completing sixty-seven percent of his passes and had a forty-eight to fourteen touchdown to interception ratio. I mean, he's a legit quarterback, but you can't throw from your back. And we saw him take a pounding this year. So, I think really this is going to resurrect his career. I think he's an upgrade over Philip Rivers. Um. Yeah, he, he may be. I mean, again, it's it's a lot to do with potential. And you say, what's potential worth? And potential's worth a ton, in my opinion, especially when the kids I, – I A think second and third round. A second and a third round pick, at least. Well, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, he's only 25, I think, too, 26. Right. So he's got a lot of football left in him, you know, presumably, um, you know, if he could play well. Um, but, I mean, that's why I think – that's why I would at least think he would generate a first – just because of his his potential plus age, to me equals a first in my opinion. I agree, he's not Matthew Stafford, um, but so I don't think he'd get three first rounders. But a first and a third makes sense, and I guess the conditional second is essentially a first and a third. Um, but uh, I mean, again, I think let's Indianapolis is the favorite in that division. I think clearly, in my opinion. Wait, wait, wait. You think okay? So you think Indy? Who do they have to compete? Because that's—I was going to ask you guys both that question. Um, Tennessee, well, Titans and Browns, Tennessee right? is really the only other division there. Well, but, the what's the, but what? What is a successful season for Carson Wentz in Indianapolis? First playoff? season, just just playoff. the playoffs, in my opinion. If, Did you if agree you with can, that? Yeah, sure. 
in first season, if you can just make it to the playoffs, essentially repeat what they did with Phillip Rivers and, and show that, okay, this is where we can yep. roll with it, I think that's a success at that point. Because right. then it's, okay, we can build on this. Now maybe we get them a star-wide receiver, a, whatever, a, a true stud pass rusher, you know, yep. and then, okay, then we're a Super Bowl contending team. Yeah, so we all – I think we'd all agree on that then. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's he's just not- a matter of if Carson – it's the if Carson Wentz can come back to 2000 – what was it, 18 football, I think it was? So 18 and 19. I mean, 19 was a decent year for him too. Yeah, well, 18 was the year before he got hurt where he was, the, I think, the MVP at that time. Yeah, and then he gets before hurt. he got hurt. Yeah, and then the last four games, obviously, you're not going to win it at that point. But uh, he was the betting favorite at the time he got hurt. So, you know, if he can return to that form, I mean, obviously, they've, they've got every chance to win the Super And that was with Frank Reich. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know that one of the stories that came out, and it's gotten a lot of uh, traction with some of our posts on Facebook and you know Twitter and you know Instagram. Follow us on social media, people. We'll tell you how at the end. Um, the is that he had reached out to Michael Pittman. He said, hey, you know, how you know, attached are you to number 11? And I guess Pittman said, I'm extremely attached. Number 11 cannot be had. There is no price tag for it. Basically, you can't have it. And I think Wentz said something to him. He was like, oh, that's cool. You know, I'll, I'll think about changing my number anyways. You know, my take on that was this. You know, Wentz has had number 11 since he was in college. Michael Pittman didn't even have number 11 in his first NFL season until it started. He was number 86, and he switched to 11 because all the receivers in Indianapolis have a, a 10 to 19 number, and all the tight ends have the 80s numbers. And so he was like, oh, I'm going to switch from 86 to 11. It doesn't mean anything to him, you know? So I don't understand why not just give it up to a guy who's been wearing number 11 for a decade. Why not? I mean, why why, why do it? I love that Pittman deboed him. He said, you know, that's my, that's my bike, punk. I love it. I, I love it. I think Michael Pittman should. I think Michael Pittman should keep it. Carson Wentz is Carson Wentz, right? Like that's it. And so much for you guys' argument on QB being the most influential person on the on the field. He can't even get his number from his receiver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was gonna say. We'll see how that works. We'll see how he is when he doesn't get the ball thrown to him. And that's right. that's why I don't like this move. Is is you've got a player coming in just just show some good faith. Say you know what? Sure, it's up for sale. Like. You know, even if it's not like put don't don't make it this big media thing, because now it looks like you're disrespecting your quarterback. Now you guys don't. Now it's you have to fix the relationship before the relationship has even happened, you know, and it's and it's just a sour note to start, I think, in my opinion. And and when you've got a new guy coming in, especially your quarterback who I mean, I get it. He's a new guy. Who is he to you? And not only that, what's he done to, to prove anything to you? But still, bend a little. Yeah, here's 11. Then create a relationship and then and then do something that way. Even if you don't give him 11 and you feel, and then just – I don't like the way that it played out. Um, and, and personally, I mean, if I was the receiver, I mean, that's the guy who makes sure I eat. So I, I, don't, under, I, I don't know. I wouldn't smack his hand. I mean, he's Wentz's best target. Yeah. A hundred percent. I'm a huge Michael Pittman fan. I mean, Wayne told you I was tooting his horn for a long time. I, I love his abilities. Um, I think he's got the he had the best hands coming into the draft um, and was an NFL ready guy. But at the same time, I mean, he doesn't catch the ball if Carson Wentz doesn't throw it to him. Yeah. So, and, and I've had the argument that because people are saying, "Oh, you're saying he should give it to him." I'm like, I didn't say he should. I would if I was him. 
because I just feel like there's no attachment to the number. Obviously, it means something to Wentz. He would have reached out to you if it didn't mean something to him. That's why he's asking, you know? So if it means something to him and it doesn't mean anything to you, then why wouldn't you give it up? And I, I've had a few people say that a lot of this stems back to Carson Wentz, I guess, has a reputation as not being a cool locker room guy. And so there's a lot of players who don't like him, even his own teammates in Philadelphia. It had nothing to do with his play that he got shipped out of there. It was that he was the locker room hated him. And so I'm curious if that reputation preceded him and Michael Pittman's just like, you know, screw you. You're nobody. Why should I give you the number? That makes sense. I mean, I, I don't, I don't have any, you know, thing to say because I don't know anything about that. I've never heard that he was a bad locker room guy or anything like that. I know he, didn't get along like with the team in general. I didn't know it was with specific guys in the locker room. Um, but I mean, that's very possible. It could have preceded him at the same time. May- we don't know. It means nothing to Michael Pittman. Yeah. What if it was yeah. the birthday of his daughter or son? I don't even know if he has a kid or, you know what I mean? Or something yeah, like yeah. that. We don't know. So we're just judging because he didn't have that number. He wore six in college. Um, his dad wore 32, so, uh, you know, I'm not, you know, I don't know where he's getting 11, but if 11 means something to him in some way, fight for it. But don't do it publicly where, like, you ain't getting my number. I don't know. I feel like, again, I, I feel it disrespected his quarterback, and, you know, your quarterback's kind of, you know, it's the hand that feeds you, so. I think speaking of quarterbacks, uh, Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys at an impasse, this is, hey guys, it's it's not a repeat of last year's episode. No, the yeah. Cowboys and the <laughs> Dak Prescott still have not reached an agreement. Probably going to be franchised again. Probably going to be traded. Maybe not. Who knows? I mean, I had this argument with you guys uh, before we got even got on the air, which is, is this even news at this point? Oh, it's absolutely news because it's a, it's the it's the Dallas Cowboys, and let, let let's face it, the league wants you to think Dak Prescott's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. I don't think Cowboys fans feel like that in general, but I think the league wants Dak Prescott to be that guy or one of those top guys. Um, Dallas is considerably better when they have Dak Prescott playing. But here's the thing: the money that Dak wants and and the money that's being floated out there, I don't know that you can give it to a guy like Dak Prescott. I think that that's kind of a trap uh i think at the end of the day jerry jones is going to do it um but i but i also feel like they better get out from under that ezekiel elliott contract if they're going to be giving Dak that kind of money see i don't know how much again like you said it's it's essentially they're at the same point they were last off season um i think the the cowboys are dug in now Dak could have made his money if he continued to perform the way he performed during the season. But that wasn't uh, his fault. That wasn't no, his of fault. Course not, but an injury is an injury. I don't. I don't care if it's your fault or not. I mean, so he injury, has less leverage. He has less leverage. I agree. He has injury. less leverage yeah. at this point. So I don't. I think he's going to get the same money. Or I think Dallas is going to say, "Hey, look, we're still at the thirty-six number or thirty-seven, wherever they're at." And I think I think Dak's at like forty. Um, and forty-two, I think, is the number I heard. And yeah. and I don't think that Dallas. I really don't think Dallas is going to move on that. They'll franchise him and keep him under the franchise again if they have to, or franchise him and and move him. And I think they know they hold all the leverage at that point. And Dak coming off the injury, even after the great start to the season, I think doesn't have any leverage. Like, what's he going to do? Like, I mean, he still has to prove he can now play after the injury. So, I I mean, you can't just give a guy that came off a season ending injury like that, $42 million. 
All right, but the Dak Prescott story is big to me for for one reason and one reason alone. If they franchise him, which we all agree that they're probably going to do that, next year's free agent uh, QB class is Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, and Dak Prescott. But I think Aaron Rodgers could potentially move this offseason in a trade. I think Russell Wilson is lobbying to be moved in a trade. And I think those guys will sign extensions if they do get traded. So I don't know if those guys actually hit the free agent market. Right, right, right. But I'm just but saying still, I mean, that right is, now, at this massive. point in time, that's massive. That's yeah. And for me, I guess the hang up with Dak last year, if my understanding is correct, is that Dallas offered him thirty-five million times five years. And he was willing to take the thirty-five million, but he only wanted four years so that he could become a free agent quicker. And I think Dallas didn't want they wanted to give him the fifth year or there was no deal. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it was something like that. I don't remember exactly though. He should have taken the money then. He should have taken yeah, whatever they were giving him then. But I mean again, I'm always for a player betting on himself and Dak, I mean if you Look at his first four games. He was leading the league in everything at that point. He was. Um, so, I, I mean, he, he he made the right bet to start. It just didn't work out that way. And who knows? I I agree with Nick in the sense that I don't think Dak is like an elite quarterback. I do think he can win a Super Bowl with that Dallas roster, though. Um, maybe not right now. I think they need a little help on defense. But that offense with – with what they got going on, again, if they can get out of that Zeke contract, uh, I mean, I don't hate I don't hate them staying in Dallas for $35, $36 million a year. I don't like him in Dallas. I don't like that. I don't like nobody paying Dak $42 million. Um, but, you know, at $35, $36, I think that's a smooth, comfortable number. I'd be happy with, with that if I was Dallas. The – College football news, kind of. We ran into a situation, and we've all seen the video now. Barstool Sports released this video of Oklahoma wide receiver, uh, I have his name here, uh, Spencer Jones, and getting into it with a guy named Braden, uh, was it Braden Brown at this bar. And by all accounts, it looks like Jones had about four inches and probably 40 pounds on the kid and just got absolutely pounded. I had to have <laughs> surgery, like a four-hour surgery to replace a, some orbital socket or something, um, almost lost his eye. And my take, I thought it was hilarious because I looked at it as a bigger guy thinking he could push around a little guy, not knowing that you know the little guy mentioned that you know he's been cage fighting and MMA training since he was 12 and you could see it. Like he knew how to take him down. He knew how to put him in the locks. He knew how to get on from behind him and start pounding from behind. Um, that sounds bad, but he, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I think that you just, he bit off more than he can chew. And my philosophy has always been this. Don't start a fight with anybody. I know his lawyers breaking something up. That's his lawyer talking. Yeah. I mean, I, but the dude's nose was bleeding. That dude that hit Spencer Jones, his nose was bleeding. Like, before that altercation took place. And and to your point about like the technique about taking him down and all that sort of stuff, like, yeah, that was all right. To me, what, what was most impressive was, I mean, just the technique for the punches that he was throwing. That's close quarters. And if to an MMA, to somebody who's trained in mixed martial arts, you know, in that situation, you have an advantage on a bigger person. Cause if that guy Spencer starts swinging his arms, he's in close quarters, trying to fight in a phone booth. He's not going to land anything substantial. So this guy's throwing those, those short, quick punches right to the face, and that's what dropped him initially. I think that's what did the bulk of the damage, quite honestly, because he hit him with probably three or four good shots to the face, clean shots. But why was that guy's nose bloody? Why was his nose bloody leading up to that altercation? It doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't, and and that's the one I, I, I wish I knew, like, everything. Cause, and also, the guy filming was, was with neither party, um, right. and he's just randomly filming. So, obviously, something happened before that main altercation, and I'd mm -hmm. love to know what. Um, 
But I mean, you could see he's he's turned talking to his buddy, and I wish you could hear what they're saying because you know what they're saying because those two have trained. They yeah. know they're saying, Man, "Should we beat the fuck out of these guys?" Right? Yeah, Damn yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> get in the edit and bleep me out. Um, like, you know, should we beat these guys up right now? And you're right. The first punch he actually throws open handed and he yeah. smacks him, and then he throws a clean, smooth right. Um, yeah. The other guy is the one I thought had his eye broken. Right. Same. Um, the other guy gets taken down and just pummeled, pummeled. from when he's yeah. behind it. Um, I mean, just ruthless. Uh, so that's what makes me think, like you said, that first right, I think, did most of the damage and probably is the one that, that hurt his eye. But again, I mean, it just comes to show you, neither of those kids, by the way, were professional fighters, um, fought in a cage, like like Wayne had mentioned. Not, neither Both have wrestled their entire life and trained at jujitsu gyms, um, but neither, and MMA-style gyms, but neither have fought professionally or anything like that. Um, so, uh, you know, I don't think it should be spread around that a bunch of pro MMA guys beat up this right, kid. Right, it right. Was just two kids that honestly know how to fight. Um, and sometimes when you're 6'2", 205 pounds and you're a college athlete, you think you're invincible when really you're not. Hey, Spencer Jones was also placeholder of the year last year in NCAA football. Was he really? I'm just throwing that out there. He was placeholder of the year last year. That's I didn't like, even know that was. I didn't even know that was a thing. I, how can how how how? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. But he's really good at holding down kicks. That's amazing. I don't know. I don't know. That's I, an actual award. I feel like I, I'm a shoe in to win that award if I play. Yeah, same. That's what I thought. <laughs> I, I thought I was like I was like Sully's a shoe in. Dude, I would 100. percent I'd be all over that. I know. <laughs> I thought what a great advertisement for these kids because I think they came out afterwards and said if anybody wants any MMA training or self defense yeah. training, you know, hit us up or whatever. I thought, well, you got this great video. It looks like they know what they're doing. <laughs> okay. Yeah, 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 that's good for them. To be fair, it's it's easy to know what you're doing when people don't know, and it's they look like they're drunk in a bar too. Like you know, I mean, we've all been there. I mean, Wayne hasn't. I don't know if Nick, you've been in a fight, but I've been there. Well, I've been drunk and not at my peak fighting skills and paid for it. So. You know, it happens. And I'm not going to lie. I've actually started a few fights. I say don't start fights. I've started a few fights, but I've never thrown a punch because I've always been with somebody who threw the punches for me. <laughs> but I've started quite a few <laughs> This thing has started quite a few fights. I was going to say, your mouth is like it could start quite a few fights. I got a feeling if we ever hang out and it's like the one time a year you're drinking because I know you don't drink a lot, that I'm going to end up getting into a fist fight for you. <laughs> that's usually how it goes down is like because i'm such a cool guy i feel like and everyone's always like looking out to defend me like they're, they're like oh you know, we're not gonna let this guy hit wayne you know? <laughs> that's awesome uh, so notre dame said that they're not going to be in the ea sports college football game coming out whenever it comes out 22 23 there's plenty of time to make that decision but they're coming out now and i think what a brilliant move on two fronts one they're saying we want to wait until this ruling comes down on whether or not players can be paid because we want to make sure that we pay our players if they're going to be in this game so great great marketing for your recruiting team but also it's great leverage because notre dame might be the most popular college in all of college football especially if you're playing video games like how can you have a college football video game without notre dame in it so for them to say we're not going to be in it to me it's kind of also like a negotiating 
tactic. I'm sick of everything, Notre Dame. Uh, Sully, I'll let you uh, take over most of this segment here, but I'm sick of everything, <laughs> Notre Dame. I'm sick of them being in the playoff. I'm sick of them just being around and everyone telling me how good they are, and then they get smoked by some SEC team every year. It's like I, I don't care what Notre Dame does. If anything, just like, cool, stay out of the game. I'm never going to play with you anyway. I mean, go <laughs> But I don't care. Notre Dame, I've had enough of Notre Dame. See, I – I don't know. I feel like Notre Dame. I get that they're they're so popular, but from with who? I don't know. Anybody, I don't know anybody that personally that likes Notre Dame. Like like within my circle of friends and kids and and guys I know, nobody extended with with like you know like whatever like within reach. Nobody I know is Notre. Like I don't. Where are all these Notre Dame fans? Like where right. I get that they're on, they have their own TV deal, and everybody watches them because they're on a, a cable network. But other than that, where are all these Notre Dame fans? I don't know where they are. I don't see them. I get that they're watched, but that's because there's there's nothing else. Like like you're forced to watch them. Essentially, they're on a cable network regular channel. Everybody's just gonna turn on channel twelve, and there's Notre Dame or ten. I don't know which one it is. CBS, I think. But nonetheless, I I, I don't I don't really think they have a fan base that like would be dependent on them at NCAA. Like no 12 year old is a Notre Dame fan. I don't know. I guess 12 year olds of alumni. Um, (laughs) But all right. So wanted to end show the show here with a take again, Nick, I'll let you have the floor. I am almost out of the loop. We'll see what Sully has to take on it. But you said you have a hot take, a blazing hot take, which I wouldn't know the difference on Liverpool football, (laughs) AKA soccer. I've got one. Yeah. They suck. Yeah, they do. So I'm going to do. I'm going to do Sully a favor with this segment because I'm basically better at trolling my own fellow Liverpool supporters than like any other team supporters that I've ever come across. So here's <laughs> Liverpool won the league last year, first time in 30 years by 20 points, 19 points to be exact. They won the league last year by a landslide. My thing was they weren't that good. If you look at understat, if you look at their expected goals, uh, their expected goals average, if you look at their possession retention, if you look at their ball possession rates, they were re- they really outperformed themselves by 20 plus points in the Premier League table, according from understat, which means that they were exceptionally, historically, statistically lucky. I think the team peaked under Jurgen Klopp two years ago when they made the Champions League final. They won the Champions League final and they finished second to Manchester City. This year, the wheels are coming off, and no one wants to point blame. They all want to bring up injuries. They want to bring up all these things. You know, Virgil van Dijk's best defender. He went down early on in the season, all this sort of stuff that came up. But at the end of the day, Liverpool's problem is they don't score goals, and they haven't been scoring goals consistently for two years. And that comes down to Jurgen Klopp, who's the messiah at Liverpool now. And it drives me nuts because Jurgen Klopp prevented the board from buying to improve the squad. And Sully knows. Sully knows what a good – sustainable manager looks like because Sir Alex Ferguson, he was loyal to his players, but he was ruthless and Klopp isn't ruthless enough. And that's what we're seeing with this Liverpool team. They lost four straight home games after going, what, like, what do they have? So like a 68 home unbeaten run or something absurd. It's the second greatest all time. I mean, it's just absolutely pathetic. And you, I watched them win my beloved club. I watched them win the first league title, basically in my lifetime, 33 years old. They won it for the first time in 30 years. 
I watched them win this league title in a COVID year with no fans. I had plans and tickets to go, couldn't celebrate with the team. And then they come out this season after the initial championship campaign, and they absolutely flop. It's embarrassing. They just lost to their biggest rival last weekend, Everton. It makes me sick to my stomach. It's um, an absolute disaster at the club, in my opinion, and no one's talking about it. Now, I know Wayne can't speak too much on it, so I'll go ahead and, and ride out on it. I mean, it, it's tough to disagree. You know, uh, Liverpool was getting a, a lot of hype, you know, last year, even being can, uh, can compared to that Invincibles team, uh, the Arsenal Invincibles team, because of the run they went on. And, and you know, I, I kind of hinted it at what uh, what you were saying is, man, this team's kind of very lucky in, in the way they, they are scoring goals. And, you know, it's tough to kind of, like, explain that. But, obviously, the understats did a good job of that at the end of the season. Um, and, and to your point, with, with Jurgen Klopp blocking, blocking uh, buys, that's just something you can't do in today's game. You have to buy pretty much every season. You've got to come out, and, and unless your top three are, are set in stone, but even then you should buy a fourth or a fifth guy at that point because somebody's going to go down. You speak to the point that Everton, you just lost to your biggest rival. I think Everton dropped the most money in the league this offseason. If not, yeah. the second they dropped a ton of money bringing in all kinds of people trying to improve that club, and they've shown they, that it's possible to do so. Obviously, losing Virgil van Dijk is going to hurt, but when you're a team like Liverpool and and like you know United was and and is coming back to be and things like that is, you have to understand you have to buy these guys to have them on staple because these things are going to happen. Uh, soccer is a is a grueling, grueling sport. I, I mean, I'm telling you, where you're playing five games, you know, in a stretch of ten days sometimes and things like that with the Champions League and the the international breaks and and just all the the tournaments and things that go on. So you've got to prepare for this kind of stuff. And I think Jurgen Klopp thinks I can manage that when essentially you, you can't really, you need the talent and it's not just all on, on the management ability. Yeah. And Liverpool supporters are always quick. This is the last point I'll make Wayne. Cause now I'm on a tirade. So Liverpool sure. supporters are quick to talk about Manchester city and all their spending. And that's how they got to where they are and how bad they were last year. Manchester city went and grabbed three guys last season. They grabbed Joe Cancelo, they grabbed Rodri and they grabbed um, Ferran Torres, right? They grabbed all those guys last season. They didn't perform much. They grabbed Riyad Mahrez two years ago, didn't perform too much. And now this year they're missing maybe the best player in England. If it's not your boy, Bruno, it's Kevin De Bruyne. right. They're missing the best player and they have not skipped a beat because they bought proactively. Liverpool didn't do that because Klopp wanted to run with a thin squad. And this is what you get. It's an absolute disaster. It's embarrassing to the supporters. It's tough to disagree. And again, I think it comes to the point where Klopp, and again, it's tough to knock him because I do. I mean, I think the guy's uber talented, and and honestly, he's. I mean, it's hard to argue that he's probably not the best manager in football right now. But I, I mean, at that at, at a certain point, that can be detrimental because now I think he is. He thinks he's the best manager, right? And he doesn't need to buy this eighty million dollar star when in fact it's well, you, yeah, you do. I mean, it, it it doesn't hurt. Everybody needs talent. It doesn't hurt to have a Bruno or a Kevin De Bruyne or or these guys just on staple, just coming in, and and then it makes your job even easier. Then you can scheme it even more. So I think that's where the issue lies. And and hopefully this year, Klopp. I mean, not hopefully because obviously I want United to succeed forever. <laughs> but you know, obviously, you know, you would hope as a Liverpool supporter that Klopp puts that block down and allows the club to open their wallet and spend a lot more this offseason. 
And Wayne, I'm gonna because you're a big stats guy, so I'm gonna leave you with this. Jurgen Klopp had two jobs as a manager before he got to Liverpool. The first one was at his club that he played for, which was Mines. After seven seasons, he fizzled out. Right, like team started to go backwards. After that, he was at Dortmund. Season seven, they were in the relegation battle, which means they were about to be dropped from the highest league in Germany. He fizzled out. He is now at season six with Liverpool. Ooh. It's actually pretty well. And the, what, what he doesn't mention, though, is Borussia Dortmund was, like, fighting for, like, winning the title and actually, I think, may have under him. And, and they things did. Like, yeah, so, like, they were actually a great team, and, and then they plummeted. So, yeah. Well, if you've made it to this point in the show, we do want to thank you. <laughs> and uh, right off five minutes yeah. ago when the soccer rant started. Yeah, well, um, sorry. Uh, yeah. if you're listening please check us out on youtube we have a video if you're watching on youtube you can listen to us on itunes spotify stitcher or amazon music you can download stream the show when you're going for your walk going for you know you drive to work whatever it is uh, like pumping said, we, the ion yeah pumping the ion yeah. just plug in the headphones and uh, you'll listen or earbuds whatever and listen to it um <laughs> Follow fighting, us on social fighting. media. You could, be, you could be fighting place kickers yeah, in the bathroom Yeah, place in the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, it's a great yeah, soundtrack. Whatever. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> right. Wayne, Kenny's going to get us out of here before I go on another Liverpool rant. Okay, well, before Kenny, uh, <laughs> follow us on social media. <laughs> oh, God. Like and subscribe on YouTube, guys. Yeah, like and subscribe on YouTube uh, at Sport Infinity Sports Podcast on Facebook. You can follow us and like us there. Uh, Instagram at Infinity Sports Podcast and at Sports Infinity Five. Reach out. We're gonna kind of do a TikTok, but just like commercial videos for the show to try to get some more people to watch. Tell your friends about it. Maybe we'll get them to watch as well. And uh, Kenny, what's going on? How, how where are we at with the show? Whoops, let's try this again. Whoops. Kenny, where are we at with the show? Second time. <laughs> it's over, ladies and gentlemen.